Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode from Dark Fantasy called Spawn of the Subhuman. Dark Fantasy ran from November 14, 1941 through June 19, 1942, originating from station WKY in Oklahoma City and broadcast nationwide by NBC. The show was created and written by Scott Bishop and promoted by NBC as the successor to Lights Out, which left the air two years earlier. According to an article in the Capital Times, published April 19, 1942, Scott Bishop concocted the series while sitting in a Chinese tea room, sipping a spiced tea of his own invention. Bishop goes on to describe the appeal of his show and radio horror in general, saying, Although listeners enjoy a good whodunit yarn where all the facts have sound reasons for existing, I think there is more fascination in the dark fantasy type of tale, where the horror comes from things unusual or even supernatural. In this case, it is not the terror itself that causes listeners' hair to rise. It's the unseen, unaccountable cause of the terror. Scott Bishop would go on to create and write another radio series, The Strange Dr. Karnak. The show followed the exploits of Dr. Karnak as he investigated supernatural mysteries. Sadly, no episodes of this series are known to exist. For now, we'll have to console ourselves with dark fantasy. Of the 31 episodes believed to have been broadcast, 27 are still intact, including this week's story, Spawn of the Subhuman, originally broadcast February 27th, 1942. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It is late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. Dark. Spawn of the Subhuman. Beautiful takeoff. Yes, good pilot. Why did you charter such a large plane for just the two of us, Michael? Isn't this being just a bit too pretentious? <laughs> uh, nothing but the best from now on, Adela. Besides, this was the only plane available. You can unloosen your safety belt now. I might as well confess that the real reason I was late was because I took so much time reading the notices in the paper this morning. Oh, weren't they superb? Excellent. The audience was quite nice to me last night. Extremely appreciative, but... I didn't expect such fine reports from the press. Didn't I tell you before the concert that you'd be a hit? Today, my dear, you're recognized as the outstanding soprano of the nation. 
You've had a lot of faith in me, haven't you, Michael? Well, offhand, I'd say I have, yes. You spent a lot of money to make me a success. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll collect every cent of it back if we get as good houses as we had last night. Michael. Yes, darling? Do you feel, well, rather strange? Strange? No, dear, why? I... I feel like something is going to happen. What makes you say that? I don't know. A feeling of impending danger just seemed to come over me all of a sudden. Danger? What possible danger could we be in? I don't know. But I've had this feeling before. It's like... Like someone had spread a shroud down over this airplane. Oh, now that's a peculiar way to talk, Adela. It's the same sort of feeling I had that day Stefan disappeared. Stefan Wilder? Yes. Adela. I was riding in my car that day. I'd been to a matinee with several of my friends. We'd had a glorious time. I was quite happy. So I drove out into the country with the top down on my car. The wind was blowing against the car, just as it's blowing against the plane now. And the sun was glistening on the bright metal of the car, just as it's glistening on the wing out there. Darling, please don't think of that now. Oh, it was a lovely day. Just like today. My heart was very light. I was happy. Thrillingly happy. Stefan and I were to be married within a week. Adela, please. And then, for no reason at all, I had that strange feeling. It just came out of nowhere. And settled down around me like a... a huge cloth might cover the body of someone who had just died. Don't talk that way, darling. It was the strangest feeling I'd ever experienced. Weird. Terrible. It gave me the feeling that... A hundred thousand evil spirits were racing at a maddening pace behind my car. Trying to catch up with me. Clutch me in their bony, fiendish hands. That was so long ago. Five years. So long ago. Seems like yesterday. Then, when I speeded up the car, something began to pound in my ears. It's pounding there now, Michael. It's pounding there now. Adela, please. The faster I drove, the more that evil shroud hung over me. I gave the car more gas. More, more, more. And then... When they found you in the wreckage, they thought you were dead. I couldn't make the curve. The motor had reached full speed. I could think of but one single danger... The invisible danger that raced there behind me, striving to catch me in its hold. But there was no one, nothing. Oh, but there seemed to be. And what was so strange, all of a sudden that bright day vanished. Just vanished. Clouds came out of nowhere and hid the sun from sight. Darling, I I better pull down the shade on the window. Oh, Michael, wait a minute. Look. flying below them. And they've completely blotted out the sun. The sun will be out in a minute. Oh, it's just like that day. Clouds hiding the sun. Just like they did that day. 
Oh, just a coincidence. Dark, dreary clouds. Followed by loud bursts of thunder, listen. Oh, my God. What does it mean? Nothing, nothing at all. Just a thunderstorm. Pilot will go up and fly above it. Why didn't he go up above the storm when he saw it? Oh, I don't know. Because he didn't see it, that's why. Certainly he did. No. No, it came up. Just like that day five years ago. Out of nowhere. It came up before the pilot was even aware of it. Oh, nonsense. It wasn't nonsense five years ago. First clouds. Then the thunder. Then it began to rain. Well, look for yourself. It's not raining now. It's nothing but an electrical storm. See, we're going above it. Michael, I'm frightened. There's nothing to be frightened about. There, look. There's the sun again. It was all so strange. That feeling. The clouds hiding behind the sun. The thunder. Sure, but no rain. Mr. Brown. Oh, Michael. Tommy, just the pilot talking to us over the talkback system. Uh, push that button right there so I can answer. Mr. Brown, Miss Rhodes. Yes, pilot, what is it? Uh, don't be alarmed about the storm. We're about now. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, just an electrical storm, isn't it? No, sir. It's more than that. It's raining cats and dogs down there. Michael. Rain. Oh, Michael. We're up above the storm. Nothing can harm us here. You remember, don't you? I never saw Stephen Wilder again after that experience I had five years ago. Yes. As I remember. No one ever saw him again. He just disappeared. Please, darling, don't think about it anymore today. You're tired. Perhaps a little rest would do you good. Oh, yes, you're right. I am tired. Just lie back and relax, then. Honestly, sweet, there's nothing to be worried about. We just happened to run into a storm when you thought about that old experience of yours. I wonder, Michael. I wonder if we did just happen into the storm. Michael, where are you, darling? Over here, dear. Did you have a good sleep? Oh, I did sleep after all. Why are the lights out? Oh, I turned them out so you could sleep as long as you could. I'll switch them back on. There. What time is it? Uh, 9.30. 9.30? Oh, Michael, I've been asleep more than eight hours. (laughs) I thought you'd never wake up. It's after dark, and you've had the lights off all this time just for me. Well, I guess I'd better admit I got a little sleep, too. Where are we now? Over Mexico. Hey, hungry, dear? Oh, I'm famished. You know, I can't imagine what made me sleep so long. Well, we landed Centella. We can get food there. Have we landed at all since I retired? No, we're circling now. Well, that's Centella down there. Oh. They better pretty up a bit. This is a secluded part of the country, but you never know who you're going to run into.
with Centella. How long before we're in Monterey? Oh, about an hour. Did you get good reservations? The best. Did you enjoy your dinner? Oh, immensely. That was a nice place. Certainly a rough landing field, though. Well, it's not actually a landing field. We had to land someplace to refuel before we got to Monterey, so I picked Centella. I enjoyed it. Quaint little place. Mm. It's a funny thing, Michael. Did you notice the plane? What do you mean, dear? It didn't look a bit like it had been in a rainstorm. I thought you'd forgotten all about that. Of course it didn't look like it. We flew above the rain before it started. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to spend the next hour looking through my fashion magazines before we land at Monterey. Over water. Water? Well, no, of course not. Well, we are. There's water all around us. Well, let's see. Why, heaven, Adelaide, you're right. The pilot's off his course. Surely you must realize it. Oh, you better go up and find out. Yes, I will. I'll be right back. Hurry, Michael, for heaven's sake. Right. The door to the pilot's cabin's locked. I say, pilot. Pilot. What's wrong, Michael? Oh, the door to this cabin is locked. Curtain over the windows pulled down inside. Pilot, open up. Look, he's raising the curtain. <gasps> Michael. Good Lord. A thick, hairy arm. Michael. That's not our pilot at the controls. It's a monkey. A gorilla. Oh, Michael. Are we dreaming? No. No, it's true. A live gorilla piloting our plane. But that's impossible. No, confound the door's locked. Open this door. Open up. Michael, be careful. Look at him. Peering back at us. Those little beady eyes. And an expression on his face that... Almost human. This is fantastic. How in the world did we ever come to be in the air with a creature like that? We had our regular pilot when we landed at Centella. I saw him climb down out of the cabin. So did I. I never did see him again before we took off. Naturally, his back was to me when I gave him the go-ahead signal. Oh, Michael. Michael, now what? Oh, we're over land. He's bringing the plane down. Oh, Michael. We're on the ground. An absolutely perfect landing. He's unlocking the door now. Michael. What's he going to do? Just take it easy. Don't get excited. Whatever you do, don't run or make a fast movement. Don't let him know you're afraid of him. Just standing there. Looking at us. Whatever you do, don't let him know you're afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid of me. Michael. That that creature talked. Of course I talk. (laughs) Oh, we're a couple of fools, Adela. Just our pilot playing a trick on us, dressed up in a monkey suit. There is no trickery. I am not your original pilot. What? I joined you at Centella, where I came to meet you for Dr. Luther. Doctor? Dr. Luther? Yes. He's waiting for you. Uh, Come, follow me. Steady, darling. Come on. We'd better follow him. Here's the doctor now. Well, Stephen, I see you brought our visitors. Yes, doctor. Yes, 
just as I directed you. Welcome, Adelaide Rhodes, and welcome to your lovely, lovely voice. I say, look here. And welcome to you, Mr. Brock. I'm so sorry that you will be of no assistance to me. However, you may be interested in what I have planned. Now, listen, Dr. Luther. I want to know what this is all about. You will learn what it's all about, and without delay, I assure you. Come, Stefan. Don't be so inhospitable. Show our guest into the laboratory. Sit down over there, my dear. Over here, Mr. Brock. Michael. Dr. Luther, I demand an explanation. Where are we? Why have you brought us here? You're too full of questions, Mr. Brock. I've already told you I'm about to show you why I brought you here. Here, high in these mountains, secretly, I've been working for five years, experimenting, testing, trying to accomplish what everyone would have said was utterly impossible had I told them about it. But I didn't tell anyone. Instead, I came here and built this laboratory. You see, it's fully equipped and modern in every detail. Oh, look here, Dr. Luther. During those five years, I trained Stephen here. I believe you will agree my training has been very successful. You now see an almost full-grown gorilla behaving like a human, acting like a human, even talking like a human. I've been very kind to you, haven't I, Stephen? Yes, Dr. Luther. Of course you've been kind. Yes, just so. Scientists back there in your world, my dear Miss Rhodes, will tell you it's impossible to completely train a gorilla. That is the second point in which I've proved them wrong. Stephen, sing for us. Yes, Doctor. Mm -hmm. Doesn't he have an excellent voice? Michael, did you hear that? Impossible. Sing again, Stephen. You see, soon he will be world famous. I shall travel with him, take him to the four corners of the earth, and show people how well my gorilla sings. Oh, Michael. I can't believe it. That's Stephen Wilder's voice. It can't be. Ah, but it is. Yes. Now I remember. Now I know who you are, Dr. Luther. Stephen Wilder had an appointment with you that day he disappeared five years ago. I'd forgotten all about it, but I just now remembered. So that's what happened to Stephen Wilder. You kidnapped him and brought him here and... You. Precisely. (laughs) I brought him here to do what others said could never be done. When I chloroformed him five years ago and brought him here, I thought I was ready. But my gorilla wasn't. So I had to wait. Three months ago... 
I performed the operation. Operation? I removed the vocal cords from the man and grafted them into the gorilla. Ah. Oh. This is ridiculous. A thing like that can't be done. Oh, surely you don't deny the proof I've just given you, Mr. Brock. Stephen, sing. Oh. You recognize that voice, Miss Rhodes, the moment you heard it. Because you'd sung operas with Mr. Wilder so much. That was the way he sang. To exercise his voice. (laughs) Don't you both realize what I have here? The secret of an untold wealth. Why, besides knowing how to train this ferocious and morose type of animal. Besides knowing how to transfer human vocal cords successfully. I have something I can exhibit to the world. To prove my knowledge. Think... Think of the fortune I can amass. Because people will pay immense sums to see and hear my singing gorilla. Stop it. Stop it, I say. Why have you brought me here? Surely you could have spared me this. I will tell you why, Miss Rhodes. If you and Mr. Brock will step over here. The only place we're going to step is out of this place. We'll do as I ask. Stephen, these people are not to leave. Very well, Dr. Luther. Over here, if you please. Better do what he says, Adela. There. Go to this plate glass. Look into the next room. Another gorilla. Yes. Isn't it a fine specimen? Fine specimen? Yes, she. She? I, uh... No. You're not planning. I've trained her very carefully. She was so much more responsive than the male. Now that she's able to obey me, I'm quite ready for the rest of my plans for her. Oh, no. No, you can't. I, I won't let you. I'll say you can. Neither of you will be able to prevent it. And soon, soon I'll tour the world with the most amazing exhibition on earth. A male and a female gorilla singing all the world's famous operas. Look here, you... Wait a minute. I just happened to think of something, Doctor. Yes? Do you remember the day Stephen Wilder had that appointment with you five years ago? Yes. Certainly I remember. I'd been planning to obtain possession of him so I could bring him here. I was most pleased when he called and asked for an appointment. But did he tell you why he was calling upon you? I know. No, he didn't. He came to you, Dr. Luther, because he was losing his voice. You... You must be wrong. I am not wrong. I am the only one he told about it. It had been worrying him for a long time. You see, the more he sang, the worse his voice became. He was gradually losing it. But that's impossible. Do you think so, Doctor? You're a specialist on that subject. That's why he was coming to you that day. No, you must be wrong. After all the work I've done. Your gorilla will lose his voice, Dr. Luther. And I assure you, before you'll do anything to me, I'll see to it that my voice is ruined too. He won't. He can't. He's an excellent voice. Excellent. Yes, yes, of course he is. We've worked together. I've trained him. His voice can't go bad on me now. Not now. 
just when it's finally successful. Oh, you'll see, Dr. Luther. No, you're wrong. You're mistaken. He'll sing all right. He won't lose his voice. Will you step in? No, of course not. You're in an excellent voice, Stephen. Sing. Sing your head, Stephen. Show him. Sipo. Sipo. Signore. Signore. There. You see? Did you hear that? A beautiful quality. Beautiful tones. Oh, Maria. Listen, Doctor. Stephen, what's wrong? Try again. Oh, Now you think I'm wrong. So, it's true. Stephen, you, you devil. After all I've done, after all my work, this is what I get as a reward. I've sacrificed everything. My position, my career, all my money. And this is what happens. Well... There's one way, Stephen. Thy heaven has one way. Get back, Adela. He got a gun. No, no, Dr. Luther. That would have hit that beast. But look at him. Stop! No! No, heard Spawn of the Subhuman, tonight's original tale of Dark Fantasy by Scott Bishop. Ben Morris was heard as Michael Brock, Eleanor Naylor Corrin was Adler Rhodes, Garland Moss played Dr. Luther, and Muir Height was the gorilla. Next Friday night at this same time, listen to the 16th in this series of Dark Fantasy dramas created by Scott Bishop, The Man with the Scarlet Satchel. The story of an aged millionaire who receives a child's set of modeling clay as a practical joke, but who turns the gift into an incredible and weird instrument of destruction. Don't miss this unusual story next Friday night, The Man with the Scarlet Satchel. That was Dark Fantasy and the episode Spawn of the Subhuman here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was Joshua's pick. Yes, it was. (laughs) And, uh, well, here we go. Uh, We learned a lot in the intro about Dark Fantasy. Mm -hmm. I've listened to a couple of them before. I've never listened to this one before. Uh, What 
propelled you to do the old Oklahoma City dark fantasy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we listened to uh, the Demon Tree episode uh, way early in this podcast. That was one of my picks. Yep. And I was like, I want to go dip back into this series. And I was just attracted by the name, the -the over-the-top name of Spawn of the Subhuman. I just chose it totally based on the title which was an old star trek show was it no no (laughs) i'd be willing to believe it but i I sat there for 30 minutes in awe (laughs) i really enjoyed this episode despite its blatant flaws I sat on this for months, and it's very uncomfortable to <laughs> sit on a opera singing gorilla. <laughs> because flaws, <laughs> flaws. Well, hold on. I really admire this in some ways, and I couldn't figure out why. So I did not bring it to the podcast until I had a couple aha moments. And first and foremost, I will say that I am a huge fan of super intelligent gorillas in genre fiction. <laughs> 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 so it had me there. Um, me too. Uh, I, I love that Planet trope. of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, or even way back to the Murders at Rue Morgue, Edgar Allan Poe, the first locked room mystery, where it's a, spoilers, sorry, an orangutan did it. But that aside, one of the things that I decided interested me about this episode is we have discussed, uh, I will say specifically in regards to Quiet Please Northern Lights and Theater 1030's Screaming Skull, the fine line between horror and comedy. And I think by breaking down this episode, you can find some very specific illustrations of where horror becomes comedy. Because this is absurd and really funny. And it's clear that Scott Bishop did not intend it to be funny, but it is hilarious. But I feel like there's this tiny seed of a scary moment in this entire episode. And that is when they try to contact the pilot and he doesn't respond. And suddenly the curtain comes up and they describe this thick, hairy arm. Right. It felt real and it felt like terrifying. Those things you kind of half see and you think, that can't be right. And how did it get ruined? By everything that happened afterwards. <laughs> particularly. <laughs> but, but, but particularly, she, sa- she their says. Their reaction. Well, partly their reaction no is reaction. very understated. But they also then immediately go, instead of it being this vague, disquieting moment, they go, why, that's a monkey piloting this ship. Right. And, and they don't respond well. And, and it, so to me... And he took off his hat and hit her and he said, Gilligan! <laughs> <laughs> For me, it provided this aha moment that I wasn't sure that I totally understood why some of these other absurd things in other old radio shows work as scary. And then others are just absurd and laughable. Others are just gorillas. (laughs) Yeah. It is vagueness versus specificity. And comedy is specificity, right? When we go from the vague, there's a hairy arm where there should be a pilot that's really vague. But when we go, well, it's a gorilla with the larynx of an opera singer piloting this airplane, (laughs) that's comic specificity, right? Right. And suddenly it's, it's really funny. I will take you further on this and say... That line between horror and comedy is also based on reaction. So if you're going to have the gorilla piloting the plane, I'm all on board with the talking gorilla and all of it. As long as they freak the bleep out. And then I'm going to be scared with them. You could get away with this. You know what I'm saying? This could have been scarier. They would have needed a a context before that that prepares you for... 
that level of absurdity. Yes. I'm going to again go back, and I apologize, listeners, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to our podcast about uh, Northern Lights as an episode of Quiet, please. But if there was some sort of evil implication that came out of the specificity, because, for example, in Northern Lights, we get really specific. We have, like, caterpillars who chant vowel sounds. Okay, that should should fail our test of horror, right? That's very specific. And we talked about that. However, the implications of that are that these entities from another world are learning our language. our language. It means they right. are learning. They are planning. They are not what we think they specifically are. Right. right? Here, it's like, damn, gorilla singing it's, opera. That You could make some money on that. There's there's no horrific implication in it, right? And there's, it's a terrible evil plan. Actually, it's honestly, I'm going <laughs> to argue, it's one of the most brilliant, I mean, I, seriously, what art form could not be improved by adding gorillas? <laughs> that's, There's that's, not that's, a single oh, one. That I want to absolutely correct. I want to back up. Think of it. Mimes, uh, ballet dance, <laughs> Prairie Home Companion. I would listen to every week with gorillas. I want to back up and take you guys through my experience of the first half of this episode. Yes. I was really intrigued. Yep. It seemed so like a, maybe an exploration of anxiety. Mm-hmm. You were so right. This very quiet, intimate plane ride with, with the sound of the plane in the mm-hmm. background yeah. humming, and they were really there talking quietly, intimately with one another. Uh, and it seemed significant that uh, he was trying to convince her, like, no, it's not raining, but no, actually, it is raining, but we're going to fly above the rain. And then they land, and she notices, like, there's no rain on the airplane. And he points out, but no, we flew above the rain. It must be a very important plot point, this rain. Not important at all. <laughs> But I'm in it, I'm invested, and we get right. to Gorilla, and I didn't literally do it, but mentally, I just checked out, <laughs> maybe like, just mentally hit pause on my listening, and I was like, what, what has happened here? <laughs> Let's, I could just walk away from this right now. I could just leave this I recording. Could, I could tell them in the podcast, I listen to the whole thing, and... <laughs> And I, I, I'm actually curious if anybody listening to this particular podcast stopped there. <laughs> and just jumped ahead to this? Yes. Like, uh, I'm I out. I, 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 all right. So let's talk about that beginning, because there are some really interesting writing mm-hmm. things that happened in the beginning. Again, uh, I've talked about this a lot. Dialogue that's real versus when someone hits a bottle out of their hand and the actor says, you knocked a bottle out of my yep. hand. You don't need to do that. So... I like dialogue that's real. This whole thing for the first five minutes was brilliantly written. She comes in and is talking to him. We learn very gradually. Uh, she doesn't come in and say, hi, I'm an opera singer and I have an ex. She doesn't tell you everything. She says, hey, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, well, the show went okay last night. And, oh, and you start to learn in real time, like you would in a real conversation, who she is, who mm-hmm. he is, what the relationship is, what's going on. And I wrote, wow, this is going really well. Mm-hmm. This is right up my alley. Now, at this point, then it goes, and I wrote in big cap letters in my notes. But then <laughs> she launches into the Stefan backstory and, and everything goes south. Now it's explaining all these things that, of course, he already knows. 
he knows about the accident she had in the car, but maybe not about the the ominous feeling she had and that it's the same but, as. No, right? this is where I disagree because the writer does this, has him saying constantly, I know, <laughs> I know. He keeps begging her to stop talking. Stop telling the story. Like, can't we just get to the gorilla? She, <laughs> just, she doesn't even say something very simple like, I'm sorry, but I really need to get this off my chest. Or we really need to talk this out. My point is this. It started so good, mm-hmm. and then it became a dialogue between two people that uh, was obvious exposition. Yeah. And that bugged me, and I'm like, no, it's ruined. And then the gorilla came. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the writer quit five. Well, I, well, he had only so much story, I think, and he was stretching it out. I would bit, not right? be surprised to find out in some dark hidden vault that these were like three writers who pieced this together. Exquisite this corpse. All this was Scott Bishop who wrote every single episode of Dark Fantasy. But you're right, who was Tim. had schizophrenia. Right. <laughs> but Tim's right in that. Intrinsically, what's wrong with strong. this is because it shifts style at least three times if not more anyway i'm getting bored can we talk about the opposite gorillas (laughs) (laughs) the other thing was when i got to that point of like gorilla there's a gorilla in the cockpit there was a little sort of mental referee in my head that i went to to say can they do this is this okay and the referee said it's called spawn of the subhuman it's it's okay it's it's okay (laughs) my favorite thing back to there like oh okay there's a there's a monkey flying the plane well, actually, she says monkey, and then he corrects her. Like, I like that he's really like, uh, it's, a it's a gorilla. There's apes and there's monkeys. He's very pedantic <laughs> about the difference between the two. But I love when they land, and they're like, that was a really good landing. <laughs> <laughs> that gorilla can really fly a freaking airplane. They really admire his piloting skills. That's oh, I'm my, not scared of That him. is my favorite part of the entire Their episode. reaction to the gorilla is a little English. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. It, oh, right. Yeah. That was a, that was a good That was the same in, in the demon tree, right? They, right. they Everyone was right. really relaxed about everything that was going on. It's a, it's, it's a style tone. And when it works, it's kind of eerie. The sort of emotional detachment is a little off putting, uh, but it seems to be the only style in which Scott Bishop writes. And then, and then we get to the mad scientist who I. He's a terrible plan. I terrible think, plan. I honestly think no, I'm it with is you. the most brilliant plan. No, I'm with you ever. on that uh, level. He's re- it is true. When he says, Do you know how much people would pay to see this? You're like, This is preposterous. But damn it, he's right. <laughs> they really would pay a lot of money for Do this. Do you think? It's the only thing that would lure me to the opera. He could make more money by selling a private island? Oh. <laughs> You're right. He's right. You're already rich. Fine. <laughs> Why can't he have a little bit of gorilla voice? Why was he? This is it. Oh, hi, I'm a gorilla. Oh, Stefan. Oh, Stefan. Yeah. Hi, I'm a gorilla. Can it be? Just give it a little bit. Just give it a little no. bit of gorilla. Okay. Just give it a little. There's bit of where I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that Stefan's just like, well, hi. I well, we've landed. <laughs> I need to take you to Doctor Luther. Why now. does she not react that his name is Stefan? Yeah, that's really. Oh, there's tons of. Cl- what? Yeah, it that so makes cl- no sense. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And any other story about an opera singing gorilla, she would recognize his name immediately. <laughs> Preposterous. I also just tickled to no end that uh, Dr. Luther fails to recall, like, yeah, why was Stefan coming to visit me, oh, a vocal yeah. expert? And she fails, to re- she fails to remember it, too. She's like, oh, I just remembered, even though I've been going over the story over and over again in the airplane and recounting it. Oh, right. 
He he was going because he had a voice tragic problem. case of losing his voice. Although it gives the guy who plays the mad scientist Luthor the moment to be like, "No, it's not true. No. My gorilla cannot be losing his voice. Listen to those beautiful tones." And, and he really didn't lose his voice while he was singing. It, like, did it crack or something? Like, I didn't even hear it. You just don't have an uh, ear for gorilla music. <laughs> <laughs> the giggles that I got so hard. When he started to sing, because you're picturing the gorilla singing that, and he's not a very good singer. He was fine. Wasn't I couldn't sing like that. That is some of the finest gorilla opera I've ever heard in my life. Come on. (laughs) I'm just saying. Well, here's the thing. You you touched on the second reason I brought this to the podcast. I was reading a totally different book on old-time radio, and I came across this quote from Stephen King, and he is talking about Arch Obler specifically, not Scott Bishop, but with many things he's saying, um, he's describing one of radio's greatest strengths and how Obler takes advantage of it. And here I see Scott Bishop taking advantage of it for terrible reasons. But um, (laughs) King says, the mind's innate obedience, its willingness to try to see whatever someone suggests it to see, no matter how absurd. And what I appreciate about this and a lot of this pulp stuff and a lot of stuff from this era of old time radio is like, you are forced, like you said, you had to imagine. The singing gorilla. That son of a <laughs> made you imagine an opera singing gorilla against your very will. <laughs> Tim wanted to turn it off, but then he's imagining how this gorilla is standing, how he's holding itself while he's singing. The bow you tie. Can, you, you see, you have to fill in these details. Even as you're going, this is ridiculous. He missed a really great opportunity for an ending that the gorilla just flies them home. (laughs) Everybody back in the plane. No, everybody back in the plane. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. It didn't have any of that. It could have, it could have, would have been a little bit. We'll be boarding in five minutes, please. (laughs) Uh, The one sort of foreshadowy thing, the one hint you get beforehand that there's going to be an opera singing gorilla <laughs> I can't. Uh, what was the name of the city they landed in? Sus- oh. I'm going to say it's Sicilo. Okay, it's not that, but I'm going to say that, uh, she has the line of like you can meet anyone in Sicilo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yes, that, you can. That is foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Apparently, my imagination was does, too small. The end <laughs> is is pretty abrupt. Get back on the plane with the gorilla. That's what I'm saying. But the gorilla's been shot several times. Didn't bug him. (laughs) I'm assuming the gorilla died as he was strangling, like a death strangle. Because beauty killed the gorilla. gorilla. (laughs) And I I just, I would love to see how they got out of that spot. They're standing there. There's a, there's a gorilla that she, her vocal cords are going to be transplanted (laughs) into in the other room. There's a dead, murdered gorilla on the floor with a strangled mad scientist. And they apparently don't know how to fly a plane, or they just would have, you know, flown the plane themselves. I smell uh, something that we could write. I think we're, ha- <laughs> we're gonna have the sequel mm. here. <laughs> and and, and the other thing is, I don't understand spawn of the subhuman. The subhuman's the gorilla, right? What's his spawn, or who's the spawn of? Yeah, it right. doesn't make any sense. It's just I, it, it's yeah. a catchy title. You're right. It made it made me listen to it. Well, uh, final verdicts. Classic. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> You can see why I found this intriguing. Yeah, I've absolutely enjoyed the fact that when I'm listening to it and realize that you picked this and sent it, I could see you giggling and rubbing your hands together as you sent it to us to go, oh, I can't wait to hear the reaction to it. Mm -hmm. It was completely worth 
this podcast to have this conversation. <laughs> it was completely worth it for me to see the singing opera gorilla. It was terrible. <laughs> I know that you like, you think it's brilliant in its terribleness, right? I wouldn't even go that far. I think it is um, terrible. I would agree with you. It oh, is mis- a terrible miscalculation. <laughs> but the, I'm still in awe because I, I just, I. It's risky. I, I don't understand. Where the idea came from, honestly, <laughs> the, the I, I admire that, it though for that reason, and so I can't shake that admiration. Leaves my for it. brain just a little broken is how different the opening is, and how like they just drop right. everything yeah. out of there. Well, that's it's right. Like, it was. It had five minutes of some of the best writing. Mm-hmm. If it had just been some scary unknown creature in the cockpit, like that first moment when it describes just a shaggy, thick the, arm that closes the shade, and they hadn't gone beyond that or it's gone a in a different direction, zone as they're trying to figure out what's in the cockpit. Yeah, it's kind of like the where, thing on the wing, right? Right, exactly. And where mm-hmm. are we going? And why are we flying? And how come we can't get in the cockpit? And- oh, yeah. And the the moment of like, like uh, should we be over water? No. Yeah, yeah, that right? was scripting. There's no, like you said, there's no rain on the plane, and all of that stuff was all great. And then, the, unrelated, <laughs> then unrelated, the terrible master plan. I'm sorry, I know we're trying to sum up, but I, the, I also in the opening she used the metaphor of had the feeling of a shroud, and then the sort of cloth fabric thing you put over a corpse. <laughs> Yeah. And then a shroud. Yes. <laughs> like I think that was shroud three times. <laughs> Synonym challenge, right? <laughs> oh, uh, but right. here, here's the deal. I, I do not think it stands the test of time. No. I don't think it's. <laughs> we gotta have one at the time. I'm gonna listen to it again. I, I I know there's gonna be some point in time where I'm feeling down and low, and I'm gonna go. I remember that smile that was on my face when I first heard this. <laughs> I would love to actually uh, do this for the fun of how weird it is and terrible oh. it is. I would love to perform this. If we could get like an actual opera singer in to do nothing else for the performance, but just step up and <laughs> but it, belt something. But live up. on stage has yeah. to be in a gorilla costume. <laughs> <laughs> has to be. All right, All right. so uh, that's uh. it. It's terrible. All right. (laughs) Thank you for listening. This has been the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about us, go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That's where we keep all our other singing gorillas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have other episodes of the podcast there for your perusal. It also has information about the live performances we do because we go out in the world and perform versions of these scripts live on stage. Mm, you can also go to iTunes. I usually say you can go to iTunes and write a review, but maybe you should skip it this time. <laughs> Wait for the next episode and then and well, then write a review. Review us, not <laughs> not what we've done to you. <laughs> what's coming next? Well, what's coming next is something really exciting that we hope our listeners enjoy. We are going to be kicking off what we call our summer Serial. Um, we are going to be listening to one of Eric's favorite shows of all time. My, I love my, a mystery. My favorite show of all time, period. We are going to be listening to a 15-part serial, The Thing That Cried in the Night. Each one of our podcasts will contain two 15-minute installments, and we're going to go through the entire serial. So you're going to need to listen to these in order, but we're really excited about it. All right. Until then. Look out!